All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Friday, April 28th. Glad to have you back with us. No one likes an I told you so, man. But I'm going to be an I told you so, man. We have a lot of victory laps to take today. They're both quarterback related. Lamar Jackson gets his bonkers deal, which I told you didn't need an agent for. Will Levis is a second day quarterback, which is all that needs to tell me that I knew. What about him I knew, which wasn't very much, was right. Giannis Antetokounmpo has some interesting takes on failure, not saying I necessarily disagree with him, but given the messenger, seems a bit odd. That and a lot more on today's episode. Make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Make sure you smash all those follows, notification bells, the five-star reviews, all that good noise. We're on a heater the last two or three weeks. Woo! Thank you guys for your support. Let's keep the momentum going. What I want to start off first with is Lamar Jackson. So, believe that there was a gentleman who has two thumbs pointing them back at him right now on this microphone, who was one of the only people that I know of saying Lamar Jackson doesn't need an agent. And here we are. Guess who was right? Victory lap Friday. And it's so weird, too, because all I've been seeing for months now is he needs an agent. He's losing money. He's losing money. And those people are really quiet right now. And since I was right on this, I'm going to be really, really loud. Now, to be fair, I also said this would be done probably after the draft. So I was wrong by like a day or so. But you get my point. And also, all right, come back down to earth a little bit. Stop Stop with the hubris so much. I don't think that everybody, every player is going to have this type of leverage to be able to do this, to not have an agent, to not have them be represented. But when you are an MVP on your rookie deal, that tends to lead some persuasion that you can lead and some leverage, if you will, that other quarterbacks in that same time frame don't have that have more money than you. And they've all got downfalls. All these, all these guys have gotten paid over the past three, four, five years they have flaws, but that doesn't seem to matter. They're still all getting paid. And Lamar has his too. But Josh Allen seems to usually make dumbhead, bonehead mistakes when they matter most. He's very reckless with the football. He almost turns the ball over at just a, a crazy rate. Between fumbles that aren't necessarily lost, but just ball security, ball plays. And like he's, he's too reckless still, and that's one of his downfalls. Lamar has gotten hurt the last two years towards the end of the season, which obviously can be problematic, but he's not getting hurt the way that we think he's getting hurt. He's not getting hurt by being reckless with his feet and his legs. He's it's inside the pocket. Protect him better. And some sacks are actually on the quarterback, too. I'm not saying it's all O-line, because once it reaches past a certain point, like it's on, it can be on you as well. But Jalen Hurts is another guy where this is like the this past year is the one that really sucked like a sore thumb. And is it because of you or is it because of AJ Brown and everything else? Like you can pick apart all these guys really except for Mahomes. But the fact is that the math is still the math. And when you're a starting quarterback and when you're as good as Lamar is, and when you have, again, the MVP under your belt and you still win 75 ish percent of your games, that's going to get you paid. You don't need an agent to tell the team that you want to, play for that you're good because they already know this one thing i try to preach on this show is no don't listen to everything you hear or don't don't believe everything that you hear because we've heard between lamar and and baltimore i want to be here we want him here 
we'll figure it out. And usually you wouldn't let it get to this point if that truly were the case. I think what's going to be more fascinating going forward is, are we really going to see the level of, of expectation that we have for Lamar Jackson going forward every year? Because is he going to hold on to that stigma of you guys really were trying to lowball me for the longest time? Is that going to register with him? Is, is he not going to be the same version that we saw as the unanimous MVP a few years ago? But the whole point of the agent is to make other teams want you as well and drive the price up. And obviously agents are getting their cut of this. And Lamar's going, I know how good I am. I don't need you for this. And he didn't. And again, like not every quarterback is going to be able to do this, but if there is going to be a position at play that is going to need an agent less going forward, it absolutely is the quarterback position. Or really, if you really want to put an umbrella over it, if you've exceeded contract expectations, especially in your rookie deal, you don't need an agent anymore. Because we've dumbed the math down of the just the economics of certain players' salaries. We've dumbed it down to the fact of, what's the last deal that got done? Yeah, just pay me more than him. And that's where we're with Lamar Jackson. That's where we're going to be at with Joe Burrow coming up. Same with uh, Justin Herbert. Like, there's uh, Trevor Lawrence. These guys aren't going to need agents. They're just going to look at the last deal they did. And look at the years and say, yeah, the years are what I want. Let's just make the math line up and pay me a bit more than the other guy. I think that another guy that I don't think that it's going to be needed for is somebody like Justin Jefferson. If we go to a, a skill position guy, we all know how good that dude is. He does not need an agent. Who's the highest paid wide receiver? Okay, now make me him. Right? If, or if it's a guarantee money or if it's a year issue, whatever that guy has, just make sure that mine's better. And you don't need an agent to tell teams how good you are when everybody literally who watches football knows how good you are at it. Sticking with the NFL draft, Will Levis not picked in the first round yesterday. Now this isn't necessarily a victory lap because I didn't think that he would be picked in the first round because I've seen the way that this draft usually shakes out. And when you have three or four or five guys who are talked about the way that they have been talked about, it's almost a guarantee that those guys are going somewhere in that first round. As somebody who doesn't watch a lot of college football, I'm not up here telling you that I knew that he wasn't going to be a first round pick because of how good or lack thereof or anywhere in between of that analysis of him in Kentucky. I thought he was goofy as hell during his, during his uh, interview process and eating bananas with the peels on him and telling people to put bananas in coffee. Like that to me, that's a red flag of just you as a human being. And I'm really glad that other people saw that too, because he's looking at his coffee and he goes, Oh, mayonnaise, a lot of quarterbacks getting picked before me. Sorry, I had to. So as I'm looking at the 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 shakedown of the earlier part of the round, where could Levis potentially fall? If the hype is true, and this is where he's supposed to go, is that early first round, where are the teams that could pick him up? Arizona seemed like a stretch because of the, the money to Kyler Murray, but if they're that pissed off at him, maybe they do it. But I didn't see that happening. The Raiders, I thought might happen. The Falcons, because I'm not sure exactly how sold they are on Desmond Ritter. But the Titans might reach on him. They got an offensive tackle. Now they still need they need help everywhere. The Titans basically blew this thing up. But once it cut once it got past the Titans. And then the Lions, I was like, oh, this might get tough. Because again, for what Jared Goff is, like he's had two good statistical seasons, maybe three, but like he's he's largely we know what he is. So I know there's there's some money that's attached to him, but are you willing to cut bay with him 
and restart with the younger quarterback who maybe maybe you like better. Also, Will Levis seems like a Dan Campbell kind of guy. And also, Dan Campbell picking a guy whose last name is Campbell is the most Dan Campbell thing I think that he would do. But yeah, once like, once Tennessee didn't pick him, I thought, oh, this might get ugly because Ryan Tannehill's old and is just the epitome of mediocrity. And from what I've heard, the Titans are already giving up on Malik Willis. I don't know if that's completely true or not, but that's the way that this is heading. So the other team that really popped into my mind that I thought might have a chance at picking him in the first round, if they're not going to, if no one else is going to move up from the second or third round, if it's going to be a first round pick who already has that pick, I thought maybe Minnesota. Cousins, because of age and his contract's about to run up, maybe reset the clock with the younger quarterback, but maybe Minnesota just loves this dude. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. I don't know what to expect going forward. But once it got to there, it was a wrap. And I'm starting to wonder if these these interview processes mean more than what we thought it would. Because generally, we don't see quarterbacks get into a whole lot of trouble. It's not so much a character issue like we had with Jalen Carter, where we're like, oh, where does he go? And even he still went in the top 10. Maybe it's not even just the the interview process itself as far as the answers that they're given, but how they're giving him. Because again, he's been goofy in some some social media stuff. And as far as just what I have of the, of the one or two press conferences I've heard him had, he seems a little bit off, but the Jalen Carter thing, we'll go back to that for a moment. That really is that particular pick is the epitome of if you've got talent, we're willing to deal with whatever your bullshit is. You know, he has some character issues because of a car incident that he had, but not enough for Philly to not take him at nine, but to get back to the actual draft and, and, not so much winners and losers because we don't know. We're not going to know for a few years who really won these picks and or trades. But I think Houston did a good job. I'm also, I might be higher on this move than most. And it's with Atlanta getting Bijan Robinson. Because what I had mentioned a few weeks ago is that the the money scale for running backs, you shouldn't pay the second contract. So you might as well pay them for when we know that they're going to be good. Now, I feel that Atlanta is much further off than other teams that are that could have used him. I mean, if he's the best football player that you think is on this, like in this draft at that availability at eight, if you think that he's the best available, you might as well. Plus, the Falcons do run the ball a lot. That was more with the Mariota scheme, but they do have Desmond Ritter. I don't know how they're they're gonna navigate through their playbook. But I've I'm of the opinion now where Taking running backs early to me is not an issue. It's paying them later on after the fact. So get them now, pay them now, and then don't pay them later and let somebody else pay for him once his rookie deal is done. I think that Houston and Philly still had the best drafts technically. It's hard, like I said, it's hard to tell. I'm not, not my expert opinion. It's just that's what on paper, this is what that's what it kind of looks like. But Atlanta might have gotten the most talented offensive player that can be used and especially how they want to use him. So I'm actually, I'm not going to bag on the number eight pick just because I do feel like now you can pay for guys and then not pay for them later. And I guess as a Bills fan, I'm not sure how many Bills fans listen to this show, but I was, I'm not going to say disappointed with Dalton Kincaid because I think that he's, I think he brings a lot to what the Bills like to do, which is just throw the ball. I don't think that, and again, without knowing everything and being some kind of draft expert, I can't tell you which players I feel like they should have picked. But I can tell you positions of need that were more dire than tight end. Even if you were to just to look, and they they traded up for this pick too. They only moved up a couple spots, but they traded, I think, from 26 to 28. 
And when you look at who was picked after them, Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle, Anton Harrison, or Anton Harrison, excuse me, uh, offensive tackle, Miles Murphy, defensive M, uh, Brian Brees, defensive tackle, Nolan Smith, and Felix Anutke Uzoma. I hope I didn't butcher that one. But they're all defensive tackles, outside linebackers, or offensive linemen, which, spoiler alert, you needed all of those more than you needed a tight end. What I was hoping for is a corner to go opposite of Tredavious White because I'm tired of our, our secondary corner getting burned all the time. They're getting old at safety. You have a lot of depth on the defensive line. You rotate seven, eight, nine guys, but you don't really have a true, a true one-on-one difference maker, if you will, especially interior-wise. I would have liked for them to go either safety, corner, defensive end, defensive tackle, something of need. Secondary tight end just didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense. I know, I know that he's a good football player. I know he's going to be good for what the offense is, but that isn't the issue. So Giannis had said there's no such thing as failure in sports, and he got a little little uppity with the reporter. And you asked him the same question last year. There's no failures. Michael Jordan won six in 15 years. Were the other nine failures? So when he does this and he says this, I agree with him. I I agree with him on the fact that not every season is going to end with a championship. But just because you don't doesn't mean it's a failure. That's the way that I look at it. Now, in exit interviews, when you're done with the season, sometimes you get that response. Was it a failure? And you'll hear, of course it was a failure. Did it end in a championship? Of course we failed. And most sports fans love hearing that. But what I think Giannis is trying to do is try to temper expectations for him personally because now he realizes, oh yeah, this is really tough. I I won my one ring. Maybe I don't do it again. Maybe I never get another one of these. And if I get out in front of that take now and say, look, we're still really good. Yes, we would have liked to have won a championship. It was disappointing, but it wasn't a failure. It's not a failure if you don't get a ring every single year. And again, because I'm a Bills fan and because I'm a, a Barkley, Barkley's my favorite basketball player ever, like those certain things I think get kind of intertwined with me and my relationship with sports of saying, yeah, it is super difficult. Like, I know that. One thing I point out here is whether, uh, regardless of what professional sport it is, there's a little bit of a variance between, you know, 30 and 32 teams. But as a general rule, you have about a 3% chance of winning a championship when the season starts. Now there's odds, which is why the expectations are different. But technically, everybody has a basically a 3% chance of winning a championship. So you can have, for, for me, the way that I approach this is that if your expectations are higher because you've been so good for so long, it would be a disappointment, but I don't consider it a failure. There was a 97% chance that we weren't going to do this anyways, is the way that you could approach that. But when I look at Giannis in his entirety and what he, who he is as a person, and I'm not a big Giannis fan. This might sound like I'm just hating, but I see the way he interacts with people. He acts like kind of fake tough guy is the way that I view him. You know, he's he has these antics of he's, he's pushing a ladder off of a court so he can get more more work in. You could have just gone to the other side, but no, you're going to make somebody else look bad because you are Giannis. And it's supposed to show us how driven you are, how you just get to treat somebody else like crap, but 
nah, nah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. And he plants these seeds of, you know, I'm not as talented as LeBron and Kevin Durant, so I have to be obsessed with this. I have to be... You could develop a jumper. You could do that. I've said it before and I say again, like I just feel like he has this complex about him. And I understand that his grind to get to where he is is, is different than some other players. And especially like when we look at him, when you go back and look at Giannis when he first got in the league and what he looks like now... It is complete transformation. The guy is an absolute alien. You can tell that he is maniacal in the way that he works out or reckless speculation. I mean, have bronze on steroids. Let's go back and look at Giannis and look at him now. It's like a Barry Bonds type of difference. But I also, I don't want to do that too much because like when these kids are coming in, they're, you know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old coming into the, to the NBA and like your body isn't fully formed yet. You're still a teenager. You're still a kid basically. But I mean, that's, that's some next level type of, that's some next level type of, of, of body changing dynamics with Mr. Antetokounmpo. So I can agree with what he says. I do. I, Cause when you look at, how hard it is to win a ring. Like I, I get it. But what, what always irritates me about players is them trying to change a narrative. Once they've been a certain way for so long, now you want to change it when you don't get your way. Now you want to pivot. Now you are going to change the narrative of who you are and how you approach these things just to make you look better. It's the same thing with Damon, his loyalty thing. No, now you want out because you know, your career has been wasted. You have preached loyalty forever, but now you don't want to go ahead and make it work. Giannis, I'm obsessed with this thing. I, if everything's a failure if I don't want to ring. Well, do you fail every day you don't get a promotion? Like this, he's twisting it to just kind of change the narrative of who he is and how, how obsessed he is so he can leave Milwaukee and not get much heat from them. He's planting the seeds of this is difficult to do. I'm sorry I couldn't carry you guys. I did my best because he sees the writing on the wall. It's not that Milwaukee isn't a talented team. They are, but they are getting older and they do have guys that are going to want to get paid. And Giannis is going to be out here. Well, you guys are to expect me to do everything. What do you want me to do when we don't have Brooke Lopez because we can't pay him? Or we overpay for Brooke Lopez because we can't lose him because of how great he was, even though he's well over 30. Oh, we can't lose him. Then you lose the ability to sign somebody younger and increase the longevity of you being so good with Giannis. These players aren't stupid. They know how to, not all of them, not all of them know how to do this, but they have become a lot more crafty in the way of, well, how can I get out of certain situations or how's it going to make like I can look like the victim in all this, even though like they're not, but I blast owners, coaches, and GMs. And there are times where players need to get blasted too. I personally can see through your bull. I don't believe everything that I hear. I always, I always have an open mind because we get lied to way too often in the world of sports, not even just sports life in general. And you can call it cynicism. You can call it paranoia. You can call it anxiousness, whatever you want to call it. However you want to label it, I don't get played because I always keep that third eye open. Be fair. I don't know definitively that he's leaving. I'm not giving you hot take of 
Giannis is leaving Milwaukee. I'm just saying, though, if he's out of there in the next year or two, don't be surprised because I won't be. All right, this is a point in the show recently where we would have done P. Scott's picks, but I've been up since 5 o'clock in the morning because my son loves waking up just like incredibly early and like, hey, can I get up? No, 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 not yet. Not yet, dog. And I have to start work soon. So Peace Guys picks are actually going to be put on the back burner. We'll try to get back on the microphone tomorrow. If not, then Sunday, hopefully my work schedule rotates over next week. So we'll see. The, the schedule is about to get a little erratic in the month of May. So we'll try to we'll just try to get in where we fit in. But once again, thank you guys so much for the likes, shares, subscribes, follows. Make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. And we will try to grow this into the global podcasting empire that it's supposed to be. You can reach us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Smash those five-star reviews and get those notifications the second that we drop these episodes. Stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you guys on the next one.